Hey, everybody. Welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I'm Christy Brower here with my co-host, sister, and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hey, Katie. Hello. How are you? Well, <laughs> swinging up, I think. <laughs> good, good, good. We have been so sick at my house this last oh, week. Not fun. Oh, my goodness. I... They tested me for the Rona and, you know, I am fully vaccinated. So I didn't think that's what it was. Mm. It wasn't. Uh, but if this isn't Rona, this is her evil twin sister because my God, have we been sick. Yeah, but we were so sick that my daughter in Boise, Dora dashed us some donuts the other night at like 10 o'clock at night just because she felt so sorry for us. <laughs> 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 well, that was very sweet. Right. Yeah, we've been, it's been awful. So uh, I feel a little bit better today than I have. Well, I feel a lot better than a couple of days ago, actually. So, yeah, my voice is still pretty rough, but I am feeling much, much better than I was. So, yeah. Good. Uh, well, at least being on the upswing, that's the way That's the yeah. way we want it. Right. We'll keep marching in that direction. It's all Scott's fault. He started this. He made me sick. He made Mars sick. And he's still sick. It's been eight days. Poor guy. Dang it. Yeah. Not fun ridiculous so yeah i'm sick of us we are sick of us i'm just i've had enough <laughs> well you know you guys may or may not have noticed we weren't there on thursday last week because no. we were both a little under the weather i have a cold yeah. i haven't been as sick as katie but i do have yeah. a cold and then i did both the uh up the um uh, pop-ups this weekend because katie yeah. was just not up to it yeah. so i'm so glad you're back well i appreciate all your Covering for me, my God, I'm, I've been ridiculous this week. It's all good. It's all good. Um, I'm just excited that you're on the upswing. That's 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 what matters. Me too. I've had my moments of wondering. Yeah. Like, where's where does this end? Yeah. No. Where does this end? <laughs> it ends with me just feeling a little better every day until I'm yes. just 100. percent There you go. Which that's is good right. because the next two weeks is just full of graduation stuff. So yes, it is. We got to get do. feeling better. We've got parties to attend and fun things to right. do. And, right. And parties to put on. So, yeah. Parties to put on. Come on, There's lady. Better. Get your shit together. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes. Well, I hope you have got your shit together because we are going to share. Oof. Well, this is our group case of the week. And it huh? is, this is a very well-known case. And it is kind of the reason that serial killers are viewed what we think is quite incorrectly in yeah. the public because of the media. So we're going to talk about Ed Gein. So you may or may not who Ed, know who Ed Gein was. He was known as the Butcher of Plainfield or the Plainfield Ghoul. I he, think the Plainfield Ghoul. I'm, I vote for that one. I, I am. Yes, I am down for that as well. So he was born August 27th, 1906, and he died July 26th, 1984. So Gein lived in La Crosse County, Wisconsin, and he had a brother named uh, George Philip uh -huh. and his mother, Augusta. And oh, sorry, I'm sorry. His dad was George and his mom was Augusta. He was right. Ed, of course, and his brother was Henry. Yes. He had a really challenging upbringing. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, his mom. Okay, so dad was a pretty unstable alcoholic. Couldn't manage to keep a job. He had a lot of problems. Um, and Augusta hated his guts. Let's just say mm-hmm. it. Let's just oh, say yeah. it out loud. She hated his guts. So they eventually bought a farm uh-huh. uh, near the town of Plainfield, Wisconsin, and right. it was pretty isolated. Well, that was on purpose because where yeah. they lived, which was another small town, right. she decided was like Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. And full of iniquities and sin. Oh, my goodness. So they moved to this itty-bitty place. This town mm. has always hovered no more than around 800-ish yeah. in population, this tiny little place. And she was this very extreme uh, Christian, you know, uh, like way off the deep end kind of Christian beliefs that mm. used Christianity as a reason to do whatever, you know, to punish her children, to, to persecute against people. I mean, just yeah. really... Think extreme and then just go extremer. And that's yeah. kind of how she was. Well, she taught the boys that all women, except for her, mm-hmm. were instruments of the devil and naturally yes. promiscuous. Mm-hmm. Whores. And all women were whores. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All women were whores. And so this was a really, really, really important part of his growing up. Yeah. He was known as a child to have kind of be kind of weird yeah. You kind of laugh out loud for no reason as though he were hearing something in his head. Yeah. And um he was not allowed to make friends. He was actually punished for making friends because yeah. you know all the people in Plainfield were so horrible. More evil. Yeah. Evil everywhere. Evil, yep. evil. Yeah, everyone was evil. So then in April of 1940, Gene's dad, George, dies. He has a heart, he dies of heart failure caused by his alcoholism. He was 66. So Henry and Ed, you know, they're they're doing odd jobs to help cover their living expenses. And you know, and just, they, just live with mom. Like yeah, they yeah. have no lives at all. Mm-hmm. It's adults, they they have no lives. They just stay right. home and live with mom and take care of the farm. And that's that's it. That's life that's for them. All they're allowed to do. Until Henry starts dating a divorced mother of two. (gasps) Pearl clutching time. Can you imagine what mother thought of that? Henry had had enough. He had. And he was also speaking up to Ed about some of the things that were going on with their mom and the things that she said. And Mm -hmm. basically saying, I don't I don't agree with her. Uh So. One day in May of 1944, Henry and Ed were burning down vegetation on their property. So the fire got kind of out of control and the police, the fire department had to come and they got the fire out. But then Ed says he can't find his brother, Henry. So they uh, people go out with a search party looking for him and they find him. And he had been dead for a while. Yeah. And it appeared as though he had died of heart failure because he hadn't been burned or anything. Yeah. It's believed. But he also had a suspicious uh, bruising about his head. Yes. That he they did. decided maybe he uh, was working so hard to put out the fire 
that he had a heart attack and fell and hit his head on a rock. Yes, that seems to be the you know the case of a, a guy in his late teens. That makes a lot of sense, right? So it's believed that Ed killed him. Killed him yeah. for dating the uh, divorced woman with children, for maligning their mother. Um, it was never proven. And later, um, the the uh, coroner said that he died of asphyxiation, probably because of the fire. But mm, no, we all know Ed killed him. Yeah. And he kind of admitted to it. At one point, when he was being questioned um, about the death of Bernice Warden, this was in 1957, and this is when things got real important with him, with the police. Mm -hmm. But at one point, he said it was possible and likely that Henry's death was the Cain and Abel aspect of the case. Yeah. Yeah. So, very possible that he, that was his first murder. Of course, it would be biblical. Yeah, of course it would, right? Yeah. So then it was just Ed and his mother. They were all alone. And Augusta had a stroke that was that paralyzed her after Henry's death. And so then Ed was devoted to taking care of her. Mm -hmm. And um it I don't know, it just got creepier oh, yeah. and creepier and weird and mm -hmm. you know Ed never had the opportunity to create any other relationships in his life, but that one with his mother. Yeah. Other than his brother and dad who both died. It was her. She was everything. Uh -huh. So she died on December 29th of 1945 when she was 67. And, you know, Ed was totally devastated by her death because she was literally the only person he had in the world. Right. So after she died, he just kind of earned money doing odd jobs uh, to try to hang on to their farm. And he boarded up some of the rooms in their house. Um, you know, the ones that were used by his mom. So the upstairs and the parlor and the living room. And he, he boarded them up and left them untouched. Yeah. Pretty creepy. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of the house just sort of fell into major disorder. He basically just lived in a small room next to the kitchen. And spent in piles all... of garbage. Yes. Yeah, lived piles, in of garbage. piles of garbage. Yeah. Yeah. And he got really into reading uh, comic books, basically, yeah. um, about cannibals and Nazis. So... We don't know. I mean, we know a lot about Gaines' crimes, but we don't. Would right. you say that's fair? Well, yeah, because he had already committed so many of them. Well, well, all of them before he was caught. That was that was a stupid thing to say. I mean, <laughs> he'd been committing crimes for a while. He'd been under the radar for quite a while. He had he actually got caught. Right. Exactly. And and there's so much. There are so many questions we have. So many unknown things because this happened when he was caught was in 1957. And so, you know, this was way before CSI. Uh -huh. And so lots of questions are unanswered here. So on November 16th of 1957, he goes into the hardware store in Plainfield. 
And uh, the woman who was running the hardware store, Bernice Warden, just disappears out of the hardware store. Right. She should well, have been. It was deer opening season. <laughs> oh, right. It was opening day for deer hunting in the fall. Mm-hmm. And in a town like that, everybody hunts. Yeah. And so there was no one in town. Everybody had, you know, gotten up early and packed up and they were out hunting. That's, That's right. a huge deal. We can really resonate with that where we live. That's kind of we how sure can. So she was kind of the only person around. And yeah. apparently he'd been hanging around the hardware store a little too much for the last yeah. little while, just mm-hmm. acting way too interested in her. And she'd kind of told him, you know, you need to get the hell out. Or I don't know what she told him, but there had been kind of some stuff like, all right, you need to move it on, you know. Yeah, but he's just was creepy, creepy as hell. And, weird and, and really lonely and was just, you know, kind of creeping on her. And mm. she she had been uncomfortable. There'd been conversations between her and her family that, you know, Ed's been hanging around here a little too much, acting really weird. So yeah. she was very aware of him at this point. She was. And, and his fa- nice... her family was very aware of him. Yeah, yeah. So Frank Warden said that the night before Bernice went missing, and, and Frank was her son, um, that, that Ed had been in there and that he was coming back in the morning for a gallon of antifreeze. Yeah. Now I got to ask this question. If you were already there, why didn't you just buy the antifreeze? You know, like this was a total setup and then he told them it was a setup. Yeah. Weird, huh? Yeah. So the sales receipt for a gallon of antifreeze was the last receipt that, uh, Bernice wrote before she just vanished into thin air on yeah. that day. Well, I mean, she vanished, but left a fair amount of blood. Yes, yes. In the store. And a drag mark where her body was drug out. Yeah. But yeah, she was gone. Gein was not, I would say, a super good criminal as far as, like, being good at it. Not that good, no. Well, not in this instance. stayed under the radar for a long time. Yes. We'll get there. We will get there. This part terrible other parts not so bad so frank warden tells the the sheriff hey uh you know ed gain's been hanging around here acting weird he said he was coming back for antifreeze this morning and her last receipt was for antifreeze so uh they do arrest him at the grocery store he's in town at the grocery store and then they go search the farm and what they find in the gain farm is probably enough nightmare fuel to last possibly forever, certainly through many different movies. Uh, Yeah. And the poor sheriffs and deputies. Oh, my gosh. And These are small-town officers that have, you know, they they deal with small-town stuff. They've never seen anything like this. It's an absolutely horrifying situation. Yeah, it is. It's unreal. So the first thing they find is Bernice's body mm-hmm. hanging upside down in a shed, decapitated. And so she's dressed out like a deer and she'd been shot with a 22 yeah. caliber rifle. Yeah. And she was mutilated in, in several areas of her body. Right. So there was a crossbar at her legs. Yep. And yep. Hung like a carcass. Yeah. Which that just freaks me out because, like, our dad used to hang deer in our garage when we were kids. Mm-hmm. 
Like I remember exactly what that looked like. Yeah, me too. When I read that dressed out like a deer, I'm like, well, I know what that looks like. That's yeah. yeah. Cause you do uh, with uh, deer and elk and stuff, they have to cure for a few days. So once they're gutted, then they hang for a few days before mm-hmm. you cut the meat up. We know all about that because we are Idaho girls and we actually helped and participated in that kind of stuff when we were kids mm-hmm. with deer and elk and antelope, not people. Just making, just, you know, just so we're clear. It's a lot of ooh. It, it is. is. It is. It's gross. So here are some things found in the house. Um, whole bones from humans and then like fragments of human bones. Mm-hmm. A wastebasket made of human skin. And, you know, we're not going to show any pictures of any of this stuff because we're going to show a picture of Ed Gein so that y'all can see him. Um, doesn't look like the sharpest knife in the drawer, does he? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we don't want to show you any of the pictures of any of this stuff because it's horrifying. Um, human skin covering several chair seats. That uh, freaking kills me. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. Uh, skulls on his bedposts. Mm-hmm. Female skulls, some of the tops were sawn off, so they've been sawed open. Bowls made from human skulls. A corset made from a female torso, skinned from shoulders to waist. Ugh. Leggings made from human skin. Now, dude, I wear a lot of leggings, and that is, oh my god. Uh, Masks made from the skin of female heads, which I think he actually did wear those. Uh, Mary Hogan's face mask was in a paper bag. So Mary Hogan turns out to be someone that he killed quite a long time ago and no one had ever caught him or even considered him for this murder. Yeah. But then, of course, they find, you know, pieces of her body. Mary Hogan's skull was in a box. Bernice Warden's entire head was in a burlap sack. Yeah. Uh, Bernice Warden's heart was in a plastic bag in front of his pot belly stove. Oh, is he going to cook it? Yeah. Probably. Um, okay, this one. Nine vulva in a shoebox. Yeah. What the? Um, and some of them were tied with ribbons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. They were. Ugh. A belt made from female human nipples. Come on, man. Dude, really? A belt made from nipples? Are you wearing this to church? What the fuck? I mean, what, what? the heck? Sorry. Wait, I don't understand this at all. Like, no. I, but I don't think any of it makes any sense. Right. You can't make was, sense you know. of this at all. But uh, four the, the nipple belt slays me. At what I know. Point the nipple go, belt, me too. Hmm. You know? WTF, man. What I've always wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, four noses. Mm. A pair of lips on a window shade drawstring. A lampshade made from the skin of a human face. And and fingernails from female fingers. Now, one of the things that they did, they took pictures of all of this stuff. And then they cremated it. Yep. Which, dude, what? Oh, my gosh. Yes. So here's the thing. Other than Mary Hogan and Bernice Morden, we don't know who these people were. Yeah. We know 
that he was grave robbing. And so he was exhuming yeah. recently buried bodies mm-hmm. and cutting them up. He, he was watching the that. papers. Yeah. And he was finding women who reminded him of his mother. Yeah. And then robbing their graves and taking all or part of their bodies. This is what he got away with for so long that I'm amazed yeah. about. He robbed a whole bunch. He set up to words of 40 graves. Yeah. And was never busted for that. Like, no one ever. Noticing? It was three different cemeteries, according to him, mm-hmm. uh, that he was robbing. And over the course of about six years, robbed 40 different graves in three different cemeteries. And nobody noticed that something was afoot. Right. That in itself, that's the one that gets me. Me too. Like, where were the sextons of those cemeteries? I mean, were those Chad Daybell cemeteries? I don't know. Right? I mean, <laughs> seriously. I, that, yeah. It kills me that that wasn't detected that somebody didn't go somebody's messing around with the graves up in here you yeah know? something weird's happening yeah so the plan was he was taking the skin off these bodies along with other things mm-hmm. and tanning the skin because he was trying to make a mother suit yeah he was trying uh, to make oh well a woman suit yes. he wanted to become his mother to literally crawl into her skin yeah Now, weirdly, he never defaced her grave. Right. I always have thought this was weird. Like, he was trying to recreate her, but why didn't he just use her body? Well, supposedly, her body was actually buried in a vault. And he tried to get into her grave, but he couldn't because... That's right. It was in a cement vault that he couldn't get into. He couldn't get to. Had to go to graves that weren't buried in vaults so that he could just pop it up. Well, you know, the the police were so flummoxed by this. So mm-hmm. he did actually say, give them the names of some of the graves that he had dug up because they weren't sure yeah. that he could actually do it by himself. Right. He wasn't a big guy. No. And and I mean, it's a lot of work to do something like that all in yeah. one night. Um, so they did wow. actually go to some of the graves that he said he dug up and heck yeah, empty caskets or yeah. worse body parts yeah he returned some things he returned their jewelry and some of their body parts to their graves yeah so he didn't just dig them up once yep he dug them up twice yep oh yep so he was considered a suspect in a bunch of other cases in wisconsin yeah but he was never actually charged And because there was no actual, like, forensics done on any of the stuff they found in his house, they, we don't know, you know, I mean, we know he says he dug up these people and he did all this stuff, but we don't know if any of those were other victims that he murdered. Right. It, they did really think that he probably did murder Evelyn Hartley, um, she went missing in 1953 in lacrosse while she was babysitting. And they really think that um, they wanted, you know, that they thought that he was probably involved with that one and maybe others as well. Mm-hmm. But they just didn't know what else to do. You know, like, I don't know, this was a long time ago. 
Yeah. So, unfortunately, while he was being questioned in his original questioning, the uh, sheriff assaulted Ed Gein by banging his head and face into a brick wall. Uh-huh. And so that was his original confession. He made a confession, uh-huh. but they couldn't use it because obviously it was coerced and he was injured. Yeah. Um, that sheriff came with a very came for a very sad end. He only he lived at forty, died at forty three of heart failure, and you know they many people said that he was also a victim of Ed Gein because he was so traumatized by the things that Gein did. Yeah. And was so afraid of having to testify and testify about assaulting him yeah. that they think he really just literally worried himself to death. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, really, really sad. But can, I can't imagine the, the experience. I mean, we, we have witnessed this on some level in our area because our local police have not had a lot of experience with murder and you know this kind of horrible stuff and you know they they have been involved in the uh tylee ryan and jj vallow murders uh-huh. in which they literally did have to d- dig up the bodies of children and you know there's a lot of trauma around mm-hmm. that but i can't imagine that long ago yeah in a place so small yeah so gein was arraigned on one count of first degree murder And he pled not guilty by reason of insanity. So at the time he was diagnosed with schizophrenia and found mentally incompetent to stand trial. So he went to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane in in Wapen, Wisconsin. And then he went to the Mendota State Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin. So they're... Basically putting him in a hospital for the criminally criminally insane. But the thing about that is that periodically they can um, assess a person. Yeah. That's not necessarily a forever diagnosis. You can be assessed and found then at some point, you know, found that you can be tried. Yeah. And that did happen in Mm -hmm. 1968. So it was in 1957 that he went to... The mental hospital, the psychiatric uh-huh. unit. And in 1968, his doctors determined that he was, you know, able to participate in his defense. And so uh-huh. he did stand trial in November of 1968. Yeah. Um, a psychiatrist testified that Gein told him that he didn't know whether the killing of Bernice Warden was intentional or accidental. Because he shot her. He shot her in yeah. the store. He picked up a gun off the wall and he put a bullet in it and then he shot her. Because I'm sure you just do that by accident, right? Sure. Like everyone does that. Yeah. Things have changed a lot that you could actually get a hold of a gun and a bullet at the same time in a gun store. Because that would not be happening now. But yeah, he literally did. He didn't come in with a gun. He took a gun off the wall and then he pulled, he got ammunition off the shelf. So it's not as though he was, you know, innocently holding a loaded gun. No, he, he yeah. definitely was not. But he he did a lot of I don't remember. I don't remember doing any of this. I well, I was in, in some fact, kind of a haze. Yes, this story about being in a haze that sometimes yeah. he would just come to and discover he was in a cemetery doing something terrible, and he'd just put everything back nice and leave. 
Yeah. Yeah. He he said that lots of his visits to the cemetery, he didn't take anything yeah. or do anything because he would wake back up and realize what he was doing and stop. Yeah. That was part of his yeah. defense. What a bunch of bullshit. And that defense then went down in history as a defense to be used over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, so he said a lot of that kind of stuff in this trial. It was a um, not a jury trial. It was a I can't remember the word for it, but when the judge yeah. is, is the one charge. to yeah. be presiding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um the judge did find him guilty on November 14th. And then they yeah. held a second trial to deal with his sanity. Mm-hmm. And they ruled him not guilty by reason of insanity. And so they sent him back to the hospital, the state hospital for the criminally insane. Yeah. And he did spend the rest of his life in a psychiatric facility. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the judge wrote, due to prohibitive costs, Gein was tried for only one murder, that of Mrs. Warden. He also admitted to killing Mary Hoven. So because they could hold him now forever, they just didn't even try. Yeah. Which I, I think is sad. And I wish that we knew, like, you know, yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious that he probably killed other people, but yeah. we'll never know for sure. Yeah. So they tried to put his property up for auction with all of his possessions. And right before right before it was to be auctioned, somebody burned the house to the ground, right. which I think was a smart thing because who? Well, Who's going to yeah. do, who's going to buy the house, you know? Well, the locals had had it because yeah. he turned their town into this sideshow. Yeah. And people were coming right and left to look at the house. His pickup was sold to a sideshow for real yeah. that toured it around the country. It was as, a sedan, but yeah. Yes. As the vehicle that transported all the dead bodies. And this is where people got all weird about murderabilia, you -hmm. know, and started collecting bits of, you know, from murders and murderers and murderers and all of this creepy stuff. Yeah. And this poor little town of, you know, 800 people. First of all, the media circus that happened there was just insane. Yeah. And this is just a little tight knit town that can't, uh, you know, accommodate all of these people, but also don't want to. Right. You know, they, they don't, don't want, want to be seen as yeah. this kind of a place. Yeah. Yeah. So mysteriously, the house burns to the ground because the locals were afraid that it would become some kind of museum or tourist attraction. Yes. And they wanted their town to heal and not have to always just be the town where this horrific bullshit happened. Right. And I mean, yeah. seriously, who? Because that's all that would happen with it. Because who's going to want to yeah. live in that house? Right. I don't know. I can think of some daybells that might, but. Right. (laughs) Well, the other thing is that they had to remove his headstone from the cemetery where he was buried, buried with his parents and brother, by the way. Which, again, Um, are you kidding me? Dick. Yeah. But people would come and they kept um, breaking off little pieces of his headstone. Yeah. And defacing it until they finally actually just removed it from the cemetery. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, weird. His I mean, yes, we're true primers, well. but this is, yeah, yuck. Right. Yeah, not cool. Oh, actually, this. oh, I didn't realize this. His gravestone was actually stolen at one point. Well, yeah, I believe that I had read or heard that it had been replaced like three times before they finally yeah. just stopped. 
And again, what? Why? Yeah. Why, Why would you want that? Well, and it so they got it back. It was stolen and found in Seattle and returned to the sheriff's department. And now they just keep it in storage because they've had enough of this shit. <laughs> but here, okay, the story of Ed Gein, yeah, horrifying, definitely a true crime story. Maybe he's a serial killer. We don't really know. But this is where things get weird. So his story becomes... This is where things get weird? Okay, sorry. You're right. <laughs> it's been weird the whole time. It's been weird the whole time. <laughs> this but is where they get weirder. They, okay. This is where they get weirder. So a lot of um, movie makers and writers were somehow inspired by Ed Gein. Mm-hmm. And so um, the novel Psycho, yeah, that turned into the movie Psycho, was mm-hmm. actually sort of a fictionalized representation of Ed Gein's story. Yeah, yuck. Um, nor yeah, so you know, basically Norman Bates. Yeah. Um, Silence of the Lambs, Buffalo, Buffalo Bill, and Silence of the Lambs was inspired by Ed Gein. Um, there have been so many of them. American Horror Story Asylum was inspired by him, mm-hmm. as well as many, many others. But this is where it gets, I think, problematic because Ed Gein is not a good example of a serial killer. No. He's actually a terrible example of a serial killer. First of all, we're not even sure he is one. Right. But We're assuming all, he is, but there's not any proof out there that he killed more than two people. Right. Definitively, we don't know that. Yeah. yeah. But most serial killers blend into society. They don't really stand out. Nobody thinks they're weird. Often, actually, people think they're really nice and kind and whatever, you know. And I I feel like using Ed Gein as an example for all of this, these books and movies and stuff, has really misinformed the public about what serial killers are like. Because Ed Gein was weird as hell. Everybody yeah. knew Ed was a weird guy. Yeah. Lots of people were uncomfortable about by him. Yeah. And and ultimately that second murder that he committed totally botched and you know brought the police right to him. Not the kind of mistakes that serial killers generally make. Right. I don't know. I just think it's weird. Mm-hmm. that he's the example because there are so many serial killers that have come after him that are nothing like him. Right. You know what right. I mean? And so, yeah, if there's anything that we can learn from true crime, it's how to identify and be aware and be more observant of those around us. And if these are the examples we're getting in media, they're wrong. Yeah. They're not the right example. Don't you think? Well, yeah. I mean, not to say that, you know, weird guys that make you feel uncomfortable and are creepy shouldn't, you know, have an eye on for sure. But typical serial killers, as we know them, mostly people go, really? He was the nicest guy. Yeah. I mean, think to my neighbor for 20 years. I would have never thought, you know. Yeah. That's not what anybody said about it. No, absolutely zero people in the town of Plainfield were, you know, mm-hmm. surprised by this. Yeah. But yeah, he's been used as such an example over and over and over again. And honestly, 
until I started learning, got interested in serial killers and started reading about them, I thought they were all like Ed Gein. Right. I thought they were all like the creepy guy who makes, you know, human skin furniture or whatever. Yeah. But they're not. No. They're actually not. Yeah. Yep. Mm. It is interesting to see that this is kind of too, though, where murderabilia started. You yes, know, definitely. People, there was a kind of a subgroup of people that called them, or, or probably still are, that called themselves gainers. Yeah. Or, or gainers, uh, depending on gainers. how you pronounce his name. But yeah, uh, you know, emulating him in a sense, it is yeah. so weird and creepy. Mm-hmm. It is. Why do you want to be like him? Right? Like, what does that actually mean? Is, he was building a, a woman suit so he could climb into it and be like his mother. Yeah. I and mean, does that not tell you all you need to know about staying the hell away from this dude? Mm, I don't know. It's a However, weird one. You know, how many? I, I will say one similarity that we've seen so many times is mama. Mm-hmm. Yes. How many times? Abusive weird moms awful make mothers. Really screwed up boys. We know that. Yeah. Huh? yeah. Yeah, that's one similarity we can take to the bank for sure. But well, and um, there are a lot of questions about the actual relationship between Ed and his mother ooh, and they were sexual. Be. Yeah. Because that that's definitely my question. That's another sure. interesting thing about Ed, though, is that it doesn't appear that he was having sex with these corpses, that he raped the women he killed. He said that he didn't have sex with them because they smelled too bad. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, were there other women that he, you know, we don't know about. We don't know. Yeah. We just don't know. We don't. Because... But this does not seem to be sexually driven. That is one interesting thing about him because yeah. a lot of serial killers, you know, sex is uh, a big driver in what they're doing. But that didn't seem sure. to be the case with Ed. Which is another oh, odd similarity. But his attachment to his mother seemed sexual, didn't it? Yes, I will say that. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, you know, this is, you know, definitive true crime fair to talk about the, the guy who made the skin suit. So we certainly needed to uh, take our opportunity to speak about him because. Yeah. Well, I don't think any true crime podcast would be complete without the story of Ed Gein. No. Yikes. No, probably no. No. Well, this is our Monday show. Yeah. So we do have two more coming this week, and then we'll be back with our live stream on Wednesday night for our case updates. And then we'll be back Thursday night with our live stream for our uh, The Psychic Hour. Yeah. Plus, we'll have some pop-ups coming this weekend, I am sure. So yes. stay with us. We have lots of great stuff coming. If you would yeah. like to send us a case that you would like us to cover, go to truecrimeparanormalpodcast.com. Just scroll down to the bottom of the page, and you'll see a little form you can fill out. And that will send us an email, and we'll add you to our list. And we have a big list, so, you know, don't get too mad at us if it takes us a long time to get to oh. it, because we have a lot of cases on our list well and don't forget our commitment this year to cover an mmiw case every single week yep and so uh you every week you'll see an mmiw case if you see an mmiw case that you want us to take a look at please send it over to us i will say that uh they're getting a little harder for us to find not that Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of them out there there are there's just so many that have very little information tied to them 
And so EMMIW cases that you think would be great for us, please send them over. We want to put light on them. Please do. Yeah, because it is one of the things we have to have is we have to have enough information to present the case. Yeah. And some of them that we find there really isn't enough information to present anything. So one of these days I'm going to do a roundup and we'll just do one show that's like about like seven different cases because literally I can only find much. one liner on each of them, but their yeah. names deserve to be said. Their cases yeah, deserve to be acknowledged. And if you aren't familiar with our work on that, MMIW are missing and murdered indigenous women. Yes. That, that's we not do. our movement. That's, that's a national and international movement uh, yeah. because of the alarming murder and disappearance rate of indigenous women in the U S and Canada. Yeah, absolutely. And on our YouTube channel, we do have a playlist for all of those cases if you're seeing us on YouTube. But if you're on YouTube, you might not know it, but we do have a podcast. So this show is live as a video cast and and also as a podcast. So you can listen to us on Spotify or Apple or wherever you like to listen, as well as watch us on YouTube. I sometimes forget that people don't always know that there's a crossover for the show and there yeah. definitely is. You can get us just about anywhere. It's true. Yeah. Well, you guys, thanks for being here. You know it. We are true crime paranormal with the psychic sisters. See you soon. Take care. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.